0: Lots to catch up on. This is a large one. You know, I don't know (laughs) if there's going to be a bigger one this year, but that's saying a lot, and we say that quite a bit in the middle of the year. But we have lost one of the original Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees. Now, back in 1986, the first year of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which, by the way, I believe was held before they actually built the Hall of Fame in Cleveland, was held at... Their football stadium. No kidding. I think so. All right. It consisted of the following. Its first group of inductees. Buddy Holly, Chuck Berry, know, Elvis Presley, <laughs> Fats Domino, James Brown, Jerry Lee Lewis, Ray Charles, Sam Cook, the Everly Brothers, and Little Richard. There were 10 inductees. There are two left that are alive. One Everly brother, Ron or Don. <laughs> it's Don and Phil. Oh. No. <laughs> and Cooper's just sitting there. Right.
1: Uh, Don's still alive. Phil
0: passed away about six years ago. Okay. All right. So he's alive, and Jerry Lee Lewis somehow is still alive. That, Dang. that may be the biggest story out of all of these. Dude. So we just lost over the weekend the great... Little Richard. Little, not Lil Richard. Yes. I don't think <laughs> Lil was a thing back then, but um
1: It would soon.
0: So again, you know, we're talking about not many people knowing about Brian Adams who are listening to us. I would assume that most people that are listening have heard of Little Richard, but I doubt many people have investigated. But you're talking about a guy Without question, just based on that alone, you know, one of the original 10, this guy had such a huge part in what you see in rock and roll today. It is not even funny. Arguably invented it. Yeah, he did. Now, at the time, Elvis was a thing. So before he released his first songs, an album, Elvis was doing his thing. And you may have had one or two other guys on the scene. But it wasn't too much further along before Little Richard became a thing. And, you know, you listen to his songs and it's weird because, uh, like, I was listening to him this morning Mm -hmm. and my kid is in the other room doing homework and he goes, Dad, is that song from a long time ago? uh, Yes,
1: son, it's from the 1900s.
0: And yes, and I go, yeah, man, that's from a long time ago. And the song that I was listening to was this. The Ticket. And you're going to hear it all day long as we broadcast live. In a weird way, of all the songs that you hear from this era, you know, the Buddy Hollies of the world and Bill Haley in the comments, the Big Bopper. I feel this has a modern feel to it, even though obviously it's from a certain time. What year? 55.
1: He's had a lot of his songs sampled too in pop songs.
0: Oh, yeah. This thing, though, has a power about it, you know, and maybe it's his voice, maybe it's the style. It just seems like it's such rock. It embodies what rock and roll, what you think of when you think of rock and roll. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, guitar sounds change, and you're not going to have a lot of horns, and, and a lot of the songs from the 60s. And, but, man, this just had an element to it that just reeked of danger, almost. Yeah, right? and the what, fact that he was black.
1: Yes, that's kind of set him apart from all the other quote-unquote rock and rollers.
0: Yeah, and that was an issue back in the day for Little Richard, as it was for any black man back in the day. But Little Richard had a two-year run where he had hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And the weird part is that after two years, it wasn't that his star just kind of slowly faded away. He quit. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason he quit is the weirdest reason maybe that I've ever heard of any any entertainer giving things up. He's playing a sold-out show in Australia. The Russians just launched Sputnik. He sees a fireball some, some, sometime during his live show of maybe the, the Sputnik rocket. And... He has this weird epiphany of... He was afraid of the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, that there's more to life than than what I'm doing up here. I need to rededicate myself to God. And he just said, and literally... He, well, we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> he was a tortured man. He was a
1: conflicted man. Yeah, but he said after varied that... interests.
0: <laughs> on stage in Australia, I'm done, guys. And that was it. And he quit the game. After, you know, and his biggest hit, of, of course, is this. And it sounds a lot like Long Tall Sally. Oh, this is Pat Boone's version. We'll get to that here in a second. <laughs> God, that did sound so weird playing it. And this is a song about sex. A, a special kind. Yeah.
1: If they had to change the lyrics what to do. I got a this is the kind she of uh, song about it's a song about the kind of sex that you might engage in the if the front door's
0: locked like Bob <laughs> nah no, I uh, I've been made aware of this now do you think that uh, okay that white radio was
1: was ready for a black man to be singing about that about the back door probably not. It's about his uh, a boy and his dragon. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think
1: that that thing that's not a lyric is the sound
0: that the girl makes. Wop bop aloo bop a wop bam boom. <laughs> uh, this was a huge hit, though, and and so anyway, so he quits the game and dedicates himself to God, or at least what he perceived to be God, and then when the '60s rolled around. Suddenly there were, and again, this is five years later. Five years, though, back then for music, things changed so much Mm -hmm. that it might as well have been 50 years. And there were all these people that were like, where's Little Richard? We want him back. Right. He comes back. I
1: mean, if it weren't for him, the Beatles would not have had a Hamburg set list. No. He basically
0: ran out of money and realized there was still a market for him and starts playing shows again. Well, as he starts playing shows in the early 60s, he recruits a couple of bands to open up for him, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones. Dang. And so the Beatles and the Stones both, I mean, they're back there staring at their hero. Yep. Just going, oh my God, we can't believe we're we're able to do this. And as Danny said, they've covered a ton of the songs already as they both started out just like any other band as cover bands. Yeah. And they're sitting there on stage with their hero. And, you know, we played Long Tall Sally in, in the Beatles cut. That, that's on one of their records, on one of their albums. Mm-hmm. um, And then he keeps playing and playing. He keeps reforming his band, who enters the scene in the mid-60s. Uh, a guitar player that he hires named Jimi Hendrix, who is part of his band. And I had no
2: idea about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. there was some big falling out between those two where Jimi didn't like the direction or whatever, and...
1: Yeah, little Richard did not like the fact that Jimmy was maybe a little. He he didn't he didn't fit the role of the demure side man. Like he was flashy, he'd take liberties with leads. It was just a little much. Like to and, freelance. Yeah, he liked to freelance a little bit, and to the point of. Uh, I guess probably little Richard thought maybe he was being upstaged at some point, and well. I can understand now that you see what Jimmy became. Yes. It might be a di- difficult to have Jimmy Hendrix as your guitar player. You know, you you can't let that caged bird. No. Yeah. The caged bird does not sing.
0: So all the while that he's doing this, little Richard is you think of like 70s glam, you think of Prince, you think of all these people that
2: Man, that's the one.
0: Dude, some of those early photos Some of those photos
2: it's, it's amazing. like Prince kind of looks like he was
0: ripped him off
2: yes i mean for lack of a better term if he, he did. were alive he'd admit to it yeah, yeah there's no doubt
0: i mean they look identical but little richard was all about the glam clothing Is the James hair, brown the pompadour. also that, with, yes like, absolutely yeah okay and, and self-admitted the black man with the relaxed long hair yes um mate tons of makeup mm-hmm. like tons and tons of makeup and that obviously lasted all the way through his his career, but this was such a threat to white America, old white America at the time. The kids, the white kids, loved him, as you can imagine. Um, what could piss your parents off more than an, an androgynous black man singing rock and roll songs about the back door? Yeah, about white, about World War II America back then. What could piss your parents off more than saying, "I want this record" and "I want to go see this guy"? They <laughs> freaked out and so white america was and white radio stations in particular were pressured to not play his songs which were huge hits so what do they do and i don't know how much look our buddy grant boone who we love and we've had on a million times and we're going to have grant on again grant's uncle is pat boone pat boone was one of the big stars of the 50s one of the big crooners of the fifties. Well became cliche for guys like Pat Boone to get some of these black artists' songs and make them their own so white radio could play them. Yeah. And especially southern white radio. Deep south, they were really freaked out. Shocker by anything uh, that, that resembled what Little Richard was. And so... <laughs> It's really weird to hear some of these songs that are done by by Pat Boone, but Grant said that Pat, who's still alive, that he probably could get Pat to come on our show and talk (coughs) about this. Wow. Which would be incredible. That's wild. Um, so yeah, here is Pat Boone doing Tootie Fruity, and this actually, and this always pissed off little Richard. This became a bigger hit than what Little Richard had. Because white radio stations played it out the ass. And listen to how milk milquetoast it is compared to... And so Pat Boone,
1: listen to the lack of fire and urgency in the band. Pat Boone rolled this out like a year later. Yeah. She's the gal that I love best.
0: So, yeah, you got that. Now listen to uh, Long Tall Sally, the first song we played. Again, huge hits for Pat Boone, bigger than Little Richard. Gonna go tell Mary about Uncle John.
3: He says he had the blues, but he has a lot of fun. Oh, baby. Yes,
2: baby. Baby. Ooh,
3: baby. I'm having
0: me some fun tonight. Yeah. Sally has a
4: lot on the ball and nobody cares
0: long and tall some
2: lyric changes in there
0: oh boy are there lyric changes and Pat Boone is very hardcore conservative Christian and wasn't so, going to take that route right
2: so there's he knew his audience there, I'm so confused with how musical rights worked back then because the record
0: labels wrote horrible contracts for these performers they had no idea how little money they were making yeah, at the time. Yeah, they didn't get
1: to own their own masters. They gave away their publishing. Feels like anyone could just roll out any version of
0: any song, and they're, ah, that's how it was back then. And they didn't get paid. Wild. They they said that uh, Little Richard was making made like twenty five thousand dollars off. What was it? Ten million in sales yeah. of Tootie Fruity or something. I, it was unbelievable. So
2: Tootie Fruity.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, So he plays throughout the 60s Well, he's kind of back and forth In between rock and roll and God And he can't really make up his mind Hey And (laughs) In the 70s Boy, that's when he says You know what God I'm going to take a little detour Straight into PCP and cocaine Mm -hmm. And just like a lot of people He went head first And nose first. Boy, did he ever. And as he says, it was not pretty. (laughs) And after about 10 years of that and people dying left and right on him, it's a miracle that guy survived as long as he did. He went back to God and became a Bible salesman, of all things. And, look, he never stopped being Little Richard. Uh, I sent you guys that article. Dude. Oh, yeah.
1: The 14 Things You Might Not Have Known About Little Richard. He liked orgy. Yep. He liked all flavors. He liked dudes, chicks. He liked multiple people in the room. His thing was as many. He liked voyeurism. Yeah. He liked to handle up on himself. Seven times a day. Who's got the time? (laughs) Dude, Like, what was wrong with him? I don't know.
2: Goodness, man. And that
1: was self-admitted. I'd hate to see his coconut oil bill. He called himself the king of it.
0: (laughs) It's a weird, weird title. Like, he invented rock and roll, but he called himself the king of masturbation. Yeah, the J.O. King.
5: (laughs) Yes, yeah.
2: But, man. Which is odd, because uh, his New York Times uh, obit, there was the phrase, he was fond of saying in later years that if Elvis was the king of rock and roll, he was the queen of rock and roll. Yeah. He liked riding that fence. But then the king of that other event.
0: So <laughs> Yeah, just, uh... it's weird. But, I mean, you talk about someone that what rock and roll is right now, which is still living on the edge. He invented all of that. The clothing, the makeup, the attitude, the on stage presence. Go ask Mick Jagger where he got his stuff from. Mm-hmm. He'll tell you point blank Little Richard. They all did. Every one of these guys, what you see today, 90% of his, is owed to this guy. Like, he's that big uh, of a player in the game he in was, the grand scheme of things. He was a things. showman,
1: an entertainer. Yeah. Above all. He, oh, yeah. The I mean, consummate you one. You guys remember, <laughs> I don't know why he did this. I, I always heard it was to pay taxes, but when he... Taco Bell rolled him out on a campaign in the 90s where he's riding down the sh- street in a limo with a piano on it singing about gordita crunch wraps.
0: Yes, so weird. <laughs> Remember that? So weird. He became an ordained minister. Mm-hmm. He married Tom Petty. Yeah, and, he married a lot of people. And Bruce and Demi. <laughs> Yeah, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore. <laughs> yeah. He married Little Stephen yep. from Springsteen's Band, who Little Stephen, Little Richard, you don't think that that didn't have uh, something in common? He didn't
2: marry Little Stephen. He officiated the wedding for Little Stephen, just to be clear. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I
0: mean, if Little Stephen had have
1: said
2: yes. I mean, yeah, he <laughs>
0: probably, wasn't, <laughs> probably wasn't against
2: it. The creator anyway. of flamboyant. Yeah, Rock and roll.
0: It's, it, it's a great story, and he checks out at the age of 87. and can't now,
1: believe he lived that long. I know,
2: that dude. That gives
0: me hope. Seriously, right? All yeah. of us.
2: I told you he would outlive Jerry Stiller, though, guys. And I was wrong. Tomorrow. By two days.
5: Tomorrow. Um, two days. <laughs> the ticket. Many are calling this a landmark day. And a day of the, which will live in infamy in sports because today the higher courts and higher authorities in this great land of ours made it known the highest yes the highest of authorities made it known that when it comes to sports gambling which has always been illegal they said look we're getting out of this game all of you states decide how you want to handle this, but it's a states' right, rights thing. The Supreme
0: Court ruled 6-3 to three to strike down what was known as the Professional and Amateur Sports Protection Act that uh, dated back to 1992 that barred state-authorized sports gambling, with the exception, of course, being Nevada, which was grandfathered in. So now, if you would like, if your states wish to, allow it, then yes, you can bet on sports. And as much as the posturing went on between the NCAA and the NFL and the NBA and the NHL and MLB, uh, and this was New Jersey, by the way, that was going after this law. By the way, man, kudos to Jersey for keep fighting the fight. Because they got shot down about 50 times. Oh, yeah. That's they've, why this
5: made its way to the to the Supreme Court. They have been bigger on this than anybody for a long, long time. So now uh,
0: the NCAA and, and, uh, all the, and, as I said, all the other leagues, they were posturing, at least publicly, that this was not, I don't think so. No, 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 no. But they've already had one foot in the door projecting that this could happen. Because they're already lobbying the powers that be that they want in on this and they want 1% right off the top. That if you want them to go along with all this and you want them to provide information as far as injuries go and all that goes along with gambling, then yeah, cool, we'll do that. We'll be on the up and up. We'll do anything and everything you want, but we want 1%. And the books in Nevada... Are already saying, and everywhere else, they're going to tell you that we only get, we only win five percent. So they're wanting one percent of that five percent. Yes, and so there's going to be a fight when it comes to, when, you know, when this all comes down. But again, that's like, uh, that's a ways down the road. And for Texas, I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. We're a pretty backward ass state. We'll probably be one of the last to legalize pot. And I imagine we'll be one of the last to legalize this, even though both those things are going to make the state so much money. When the, you know, as we've we've seen with uh, California and Colorado and Washington and Oregon and all that with weed,
5: they're making money hand over fist. In 2017, 4.8 billion dollars was wagered at Nevada sportsbooks. So what was won? I don't know. I don't know what the winnings were, but you've got that kind of money going through those things. Right.
4: Well, and that's where it's legal. The guess is around $150 billion a year in illegal sports gambling right, right now. Think about that. That's going to what? The Caribbean. Yeah. Right. Or bookies.
0: Yeah, or bookies. Boy, are bookies freaking out right now? Yeah. I didn't think about that. We're
5: going to have to get a straight gig.
4: I read an article earlier, I can't find it right now, that said within two years, I think there's 14 states that the people who really track this stuff and they know who's been waiting for this yeah. will have it legalized. And within, I think, five years, I think it was 32 states will have it legalized, assuming this all continues the way it's going. None of the 32 are ticks.
0: It doesn't surprise me one bit. It
4: does but, not surprise me. New Jersey, they should be able to make legal bets in, in like a week or two.
0: Oh, it's going to be that. That's what I was going to ask next yeah. is how quickly will they get this Chris
4: Christie up? said that we're ready we can have bets being taken in New Jersey within two weeks of a decision by the court.
5: Well, from the sports side, at the forefront of this have been the NBA and MLB. As things have gone on over the last few years, those two leagues ahead of everybody else has kind of changed their tune on all this. And they started lobbying in several states, those among them being Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Kansas, Missouri, New York and West Virginia, and they are the ones who are um, who are kind of the linchpins of this from the sports side, yeah, and those are the states that seem to be the strongest on this and the most prepared for it, I guess I mean New Jersey seems to be at the forefront of that, but these others, from the tone of this article are not terribly far behind.
0: It's like Don Van Natta Jr or buddy. The well-known writer for ESPN. Yes, the great DVM. Many others said, he said, great, uh, Americans can rejoice that now they're going to be losing, able to lose their money legally instead of illegally, because that's kind of what it boils down to. Oh,
5: yeah. Yeah.
0: There's a reason these things, these books exist, <laughs> because they make gobs and gobs of money. And that's the thing with people that freak out about it, too, that they freak out about legalization of pot or, or legalized gambling or whatever. Just because something's legalized doesn't mean that everybody is going to do it. Now, is it going to give you better access to it? Of course it is. But if you want to gamble, guess what you can do? Call one friend. And I guarantee you, that guy knows someone, if you don't already, that can get you a bet. Or, as you said, Mike, get on the Internet. And it takes one second True, but you never feel
4: super confident with your money being held in a Caribbean island account, right when it's tied up in these gambling sites. also and, and it's a pay- with a bookie, man, you have to go meet the guy for an exchange. right. I mean, that all has to happen. When you mix tex- technology in with what this ruling is, you'll be able to sit on your couch and not only just bet games before they start, Live betting is a huge part of this. You can bet per play. How do they do that? I don't understand that. You can do it on these sites that are running out of the Caribbean right now. Sometimes it's per drive. Like if you're watching football, it'll be like, oh, the result of this drive will be a touchdown, you know, is minus 200. Yeah. Or plus 200. A field goal. A punt. You know, you can bet per drive, but the technology is such that you'll be able to bet per play legally sitting on your couch. And that's insane. That's amazing. (laughs) Because if you're talking just go to the casino in Vegas, fine. Yeah, you can make a bet, drive down there, whatever. Still a pain. This is all in your living room and your So
0: are they underoos. saying that you will eventually be able to do that as opposed to like going to England and betting on a soccer match? Um, over there, like at a 'cause you know, you'll go to to a grocery store and then like, Oh, I gotta make a bet, hang on and you'll stop by one of the little bookmakers' places. And you place a bet. That'll be step
4: one for sure. There'll be bookies or even in arenas you can bet yes. right next to concessions. You can go and place a bet on the game that you're you're standing at.
0: Imagine that in Cowboy Stadium. Imagine that having Victoria's Secret. Mm-hmm. and art. Yeah, the art and then the little bookie stand right there. Like, hang on, hang on one second. One, so one. The amount of money that they could generate if they are in cahoots with these people is staggering. All the drunk idiots that want to mm-hmm. place bet after bet after bet after bet. And then
4: halftime bets?
0: Yes. Oh, they're coming
4: back. All the Yeah, all <laughs> the way
0: through.
5: Well, I would hazard a guess it won't take them very long to get into cahoots with these guys out there at that new stadium.
0: Well, that's Texas has to legalize it, though. And, once, yeah, but once that's done. And that's the biggest problem, is will this state bow down and legalize this? Not for a long time, but there will be
4: NBA, NFL stadiums that I think are doing this soon. The ticket.
1: Oh, well, he's got to say hi to all of oh, yeah. people. Oh, yeah, look at him glad-handed. Oh,
0: yeah. Come up here, buddy.
5: Look yeah. at him. Clearly, Shaking he's pay- only paying attention to the black Kissing people babies. here. Kissing
1: babies. Yeah, I learned as something. always his way. I learned something about Donnie today that I didn't know prior. What's that? So, baby? He's blank. Oh. No, I knew that. Grab that right there.
0: We need to get him a chair. Does he have a chair? Just grab there's I mean, one look, right behind him. This I can is stand up. I'm fine. Yeah, it just looks it's weird. Intimidating. No, it, no, it, no. It, I, I mean, feel so, like you're you're, you're
1: serving looked, us. You look too militant. <laughs> oh, shut up. I learned something about you today listening to Norm this morning. What's that? Which is probably a shock to you that I was up while Norm was on. Um you always wish that you had a nickname that had nothing to do with your name. Like right. you're Donovan, Donovan Donnie Doo, Donnie Doo Doo. But you said you wished you had a nickname like pork chop. Yeah,
3: pork chop. Uh, I don't know. Think of anything else. Corn bread, was, yeah, cornbread. Yeah, cornbread and pork chop. Yeah, that's a cool nickname.
0: Man, I'm telling you, the greatest nickname ever was this dude I went to college with, and he was a large fella, and he always he, he dressed like grooves. Yeah. So he always had shorts on, and he always had like University a,
1: of Michigan basketball shorts.
0: Yeah, and then like a hoodie on at all times, mm-hmm. like and a big oversized hoodie. And flip-flops. And flip-flops, yeah, but he was a big dude, like three bills, something like that. And his nickname, and I don't still do not know who named him that, but I never knew – I still don't know his real name. Mm-hmm. I only know him via his nickname, which was Snack Bar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I bet you can imagine how he got it.
3: Yeah. That's awesome. I know. Yeah. But Donnie, that's just Donovan. You know, it's, what kind of nickname is that? Am I good? Because my ears are low. Yeah, you got to turn the we turn yourself. I feel we like I'm you. screaming. Okay. Turn we his ears. You, you look right, right, great. Good. Thank you. I feel good. I'm glad to be out here to support you, man. Thank you. And all you boys.
0: Thank you for coming down. Yeah. We love you. So you have a, uh, you have a bit of a conundrum. Unfortunately, you lost your dog. Who was with you for how long? Almost 15 years.
3: we could be so lucky, man. I know. I know. Yeah, it was uh, March 14th. We had to put him down right before we went off to uh, Italy on our trip. So uh, that was tough, but we didn't even think or talk about another dog for probably about a month or so. But then, you know, you start – I think I sent you that text saying, man, I just miss being a doggy dad. And we went down to Austin this past weekend to celebrate my wife's uh, cousin's 40th birthday, and there were three th- dogs around all weekend—a really, really tiny dog, a medium-sized dog, and a big dog. And man, when I tell you, I played with all three of those dogs the entire weekend. It was so much fun, and it was so great. So now, because uh, I brought Twig with me, yep, and we've been uh, we've been kind of ramping up the talk about you know hey, is it <sighs> because you have People so it's time? In, I, I don't know. And I, I talked to Saroy about this and he thought, Okay, yeah, you can go down there and get a pup and I was like, Well, not so fast. A, I don't know if I can talk her into it and and B, I I don't know if it's the right time. But if I see one right up walk right up to me and just sit down and look and I'm saying, Okay, you, me, together forever. Yeah. I mean it's gonna happen, so uh it's uh it's been a tough road, man, but we're, we're making it. Man, that's, uh, I mean, obviously the worst part about having a
0: dog is that 95% of people outlive it. Sure. You know, and you see people post it all the time. Hey, I lost my best friend. And you just don't, you never think about that when you get the dog. And then when they start getting older, you're like, "Oh crap!"
3: And you see it, you know, you see the decline, but you still don't think about it no. because you in your mind, you're thinking, "All right, he'll be around forever, so don't worry about it." Right. And that decline and then was, comes the time when yes.
5: you have to make the call,
3: and it's on you. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you've halfway, you're going to think selfishly, of course, with pets and parents and all that, because you want them around and you want to feel good because they're around. But then you realize you hold. Their fate in your hands, and you have to make that right decision. So we wrestled with that for the time we sat there and talked about it because we were about to leave on a ten-day trip. So why do we want someone else to take care of our dog for ten days, and something may happen while we're yeah, gone? Yeah. What if it goes on their watch, uh, do we come back, or or what? You know, so it was uh, it was rough, but I, we definitely definitely made the right decision. But it was the worst decision to ever made.
0: Yeah, and, and then you and then like you're in that spot now where you don't know when you should get another one and that's the weirdest time, you know. And I think, you know, we have always there have always been two or three at our house right. at all times. Right. And so one will go and then you still have two and then and then you had another one and so it's like a never ending cycle. Sure. But if you have one, man, it's a nut kick and then you gotta figure out when you're ready to get like Craig I mean, Craig had Ooh. Lucy forever, and uh, he's still like, I don't know if I'm ready yet.
3: I know, and, and I talked to him about that right, uh, uh, right after it happened. And it was like, you know, hey, it's on him. But then you see a lot of people who say, hey, I, had, I lost my best friend. I had to put down my dog. And then three days later, they're showing you their new dog yeah. that they had. And that's a ton of folks to get over the pain, get another dog. So usually you do that with wives. Right, right. <laughs> But uh, we're talking dogs now. I'll talk to you about that other thing. What later. a horrible way to go about wives.
0: <laughs> immediately get another one. Oh, my gosh. Do you know anyone who immediately? Yeah,
1: there's people out there that do that. Oh. sure are. They'll have. They'll either get a divorce or their wife will die, and then in six weeks.
0: They're married. <laughs> hey, you met six my wife? What? Huh? Robert Kraft. Well, yeah, it's a, Yeah, yeah Bob, he Kraft. Bob Kraft did that. Well, they're here, and I'm glad you're here. Yeah. To at least look
3: around and maybe start the process. It will probably start the conversation. Uh, seriously. So, but and like I said, it kind of amped up this weekend because that was probably the best time I had this weekend playing with those mutts. Would you? Okay. So, we've always had big dogs too, and you had a little dog. Uh huh. Do you want to go back to little dog? <laughs> I kind of want a big dog, and that's where we differ a little bit because I think uh, Twiggy is all about the small dog. That's where our heart lies. And I'm like, man, that it was a black lab, and he was so beautiful and so friendly. And I thought, man, you can just wrestle around and – he can knock me over, and we just sit there and laugh, like and, <laughs> and jump like we're at Drinking the end of chips. Together. Yeah, yeah. We jump because we're having a good time. Yeah, we freeze frame both. or something like that. we will do both. And go was, big and, and go. Little. And you know, I did mention that. It's like, well, what if we get two? So you know, you can have those dogs be friends and play together and all that stuff. So we've put everything in the pot to try to see what we wanted to do. But I think it'll be sooner rather than later yeah. because. The conversation that started in a month after we had to put Wink down, we didn't even think about uh, uh, getting another dog. So I, I think the conversation's happening. That's, that's the last an impact he had on us, you know? Oh, yeah. All right. Never thought we'd get a dog. We got one. That was my dude. It's time for me to get another dude.